And then it's going to let you know all the stuff that it's recording on the device. Like I said, it's going to, you know, it needs to, it's going to be checking the text messages. It's going to be checking the picture messages. It's going to be getting their GPS location, their call logs, their contacts, their web history. So go ahead and click install. Doesn't take long to find easy guides for installing spyware onto other people's phones, which when you think of its use in the context of domestic, family, and intimate partner violence is a real concern. My name is Michael, and this is Cybercrimeology, a show about cybercrime, its research, and its researchers. In the second of a three-part series talking about research into this issue, we talked to Dr. Dermar Dehakin, a research fellow at Deakin University, Australia, who has recently co-authored a paper and a publicly available report examining the consumer spyware industry. I asked Dermot, how did you start looking at spyware? Well, that that's really interesting. And for me in particular, my approach to this uh, subject was um, I was actually doing another research project unrelated or well, seemingly unrelated into um, private security companies who work with domestic violence services. So that's something that's happening at the minute in Australia. Domestic violence services are uh, contract with private security companies to deliver uh, security services for their clients, and and that some of that does involve forms of uh, tech support for potential uh, abuse that they're receiving that way. But I was talking with a lot of domestic violence services across all of Australia, and something that really just organically comes out of those conversations, um, even when we're talking about something seemingly else, is the levels of technology facilitated abuse that effectively the vast majority of clients, or that, that's what I was was told, uh, who uh, of domestic violence services, um, unfortunately have some form of, of technology facilitated abuse. That, that comes in many different forms, you know, abusive messages, um, social media stalking, hacking of people's emails, but it also involves things like physical tracking devices, um, but it also involves things like spyware on personal devices, computers or smartphones. And so these domestic violence service workers who I was talking were, were just mentioning and raising spyware, and they would mention spyware uh, here and there as a real life threat that they're concerned about and that they're uh, witnessing, and crucially as well, they they don't quite have the knowledge or the understanding. As you can imagine, the domestic violence advocacy sector, the people who work in that sector are from social work backgrounds and, and the likes, and they they don't quite know the tech and they don't understand the tech, and that that goes for the their clients as well as themselves. And as a matter of fact, I I also spoke with fifteen victim survivors. Uh, as part of this other project and even within those that sample of 15 one of those victim survivors just offered up uh and without being prompted that she had been targeted with spyware and and, and the quote she gave me was it, it was the worst is what she kind of said she explained how it had had quite corrosive damaging consequences for her that it was it was a a, a form of, of, of abuse and psychological and uh torment and and really made that person feel really unsafe and insecure. So I I without seeking it, I I, I became aware that this was a major issue in uh the domestic violence advocacy sector, that they were at the front line dealing with this problem um and and dealing with it in a kind of a, a blind way. They didn't they don't know quite know how really to 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 react and how to how to deal with this and how to scale out 
knowledge about how you counter this form of surveillance. So uh, I teamed up with a colleague of mine, Adam Molnar, who's now at University of uh, Waterloo uh, in Toronto or Ontario, sorry. Uh, and he himself, he he's uh, more of an expert on, on surveillance devices and, and privacy and the likes. And so we we teamed up and we we put together a project that we said we, we would look at the consumer spyware industry uh, and try and assess the, the risks of that industry. And, and, and luckily we were uh, funded by ACAN, the Australian Communications Consumer Action Network, who are a, a group who help with all matters revolving to telecommunications uh, integrity and so on in Australia. And so they thankfully funded us. And then we're, in the last few weeks, we've, we've, we've put out a report outlining um, what we see as a, our, our analysis of the threats of, of this consumer spyware so industry. What is consumer spyware? Because that sounds like an oxymoron to me, that can, consumer spyware. What, what is it exactly, and, and how is it that can people, people can, can purchase something that, that with the word spy in the title? That, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And, and we, we say consumer spyware because there, there's, there's a bit of a scene set and I need to do here because um, there's, there's kind of two spyware industries. So there, there's what, you, what we would call maybe the high spyware industry where you, we have spyware that is, is, is developed for the, at the level of espionage, you know, uh, national intelligence services and, and corporate espionage and the like. So you have uh, groups out there in the world, group, uh, companies like Gamma International or NSO Group, and they basically look for vulnerabilities in uh, computers and smartphones, iOS and, and Android. And when they find those vulnerabilities, they develop exploits, which they which they then sell on to usually quite wealthy um, customers. It would be the likes of law enforcement. Um, they very as 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 been well documented by outfits like Citizen Lab at the University of Toronto. Um, they very often sell to authoritarian governments and the like, um, and also democratic governments for the purposes of, of uh, either law enforcement or, or targeting political rivals, activists and the like. So there's that high spyware industry, which we call it, and that's the that's a very closed and clandestine market really for you know the average person you or I couldn't just um, purchase that form of spyware we wouldn't have the resources to begin with in terms of the money because it's it can be very very expensive it can be very expensive seven figures and the likes um and it's it's usually very for a small uh boutique kind of client base but beneath that there is something which we call and which we focused on in our report called the the consumer spyware industry and that is spyware that is developed by these companies um who operate uh, over the internet and they they are based in various jurisdictions that we've we've looked at and they sell uh spyware to all and sundry effectively anyone who wants to purchase this spyware and as you identified in your question um some of these companies have make no qualms about the fact that they're selling instruments and tools of of spying, which as everyone would know is is not only illegal, but is morally and ethically uh, uh, violations. Um, and so you get companies like M-Spy, Truth Spy, Spy Era, uh, that sort of title, which were in the, in the very title of their product, they're not really hiding the fact that this is uh, something to be used to spy on someone else. And, and of course, when we say spy, we, we mean a non-consensual observation and subjecting that person to surveillance some some other companies are a bit more coy and then they 
the or or suggest different titles or different purposes in the title of their product you know things like teen safe or uh, there's some vague ones like hover watch and the likes which really kind of um, don't quite put the the spine capability at the top but yeah there's there's companies who who have no qualms about promoting the idea that their product is for spying on others and when we looked at their websites we, we picked a there's unfortunately a lot of spyware companies out there uh they do this um and there was just too many of them to 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 basically catalog um so we we selected a sample and we looked closely at their marketing materials and and how exactly they said this software that they're selling is to be used and some of the companies were again very brazen and upfront about the fact that this is something they encourage and promote it to be used to spy on uh intimate partners they say things like catch cheating spouses and and the likes or catch your cheating lovers and things like that um but that was only some of the companies other companies are a bit more uh coy about putting that in their marketing materials so the, the flexi spy is a good example here where flexi spy in the past has suggested it should be used to spy on on partners and the like but they've been uh covered in the media i think vice muller board have done stories on them and, and they've um highlighting this uh use context that they were suggesting and so they've they've tried to strip away any mention of that all the spyware companies that we looked at pretty much unanimously suggest it should be used by parents so that parents should use spyware against their kids and that that is a and that children are a legitimate quote-unquote legitimate target for spyware use and in some kind of Karen parental uh, relationship, but as as our report shows, for instance, the level of functionality and and, and uh, power of and, and the range of data that a lot of this spyware captures, uh, we don't certainly see that as being uh, anyway proportionate or or being possible have it on under under an ethical arrangement it 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 seems the the power of some of the spyware we looked at is we would regard as as effectively inherently abusive to to apply that to a child for sure and and even even beyond that um with a lot of the spyware it it captures things like it, it will capture two ends of a phone conversation or two ends of a of a messages beyond SMS messages or other client messenger apps like Facebook, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and the likes. Um, and what, one interesting observation we made was that in their marketing material, the spyware companies never really make reference to the fact that um, not only do you have the person who's purchasing the spyware and the person who's the target of the spyware, but anyone who interacts with the captured device of the of the the target of the spyware also will have you know their sides of the conversation being captured so even if a, a parent was to deploy it with on their own child they would get sensitive and confidential data about the, the friends of that young child you know so it, it um we it's not really plausible or credible that we see that the spyware we looked at could be used in a way that would be considered ethical or reasonable or proportionate so the uh the capabilities of this even if it's marketed as for for the safety of, of children it, it goes far beyond just uh finding out where they are in an emergency 
Yeah, it goes it, most of most of the spyware we looked at goes beyond just say GPS tracking. Um, so what what is interesting is is there's there's semantic issues that need to be cleared up with with spyware and what exactly spyware is. And we we came up with a, a particular definition that, that boxed us in in our report. Um, and then we looked at particular products that either call themselves spyware or are things like say TeenSafe, which didn't call itself spyware as such or didn't refer to itself as spyware, but has the same functionality and in, in, in terms of what what it, what it can do, it can very often or at least similar range of functionalities. And and yes, very most often, if you look at the spyware companies and how they market the material as well, they, they emphasize the scope of data and the different types of data from uh, things like uh, if it's the case of FlexiSpy and the likes of that, that, that picks up uh, phone call recordings um messages go to and from a device on 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 client messenger apps as well as on uh, sms remote access to the camera or the audio speaker of the device at the at the leisure of the uh, operator in a way that would be not visible at a user interface level that that is going on from the point of view of the the, the, the target. Um, and then there's a, there's a range of all the things it captures. Very often there's key logging functions and the like. Internet, you get internet browsing activity. Um, yeah, you access access to to emails. Um, and and some some of the spyware, for instance, offers um options to things like to to reboot the device um which can obviously be used for uh, harassing consequences so the spyware we looked at it, it it sometimes varies in terms of functionality but but as i said the all the spyware companies try and as part of their marketing are, are emphasizing that this scope, broad scope, and this depth of, and this large dragnet of data that it likes to scoop up, and it's very rarely the functionality, very, very rarely is pitched at a, a proportionate um, monitoring uh, context. It's very much emphasized depth and scope of data that it, it can harvest. Uh, that's incredible. Now, I, I'm I'm no lawyer, but I would I would suggest that um, most places with, with wiretapping laws or something equivalent, a, a, the recording of a conversation without the consent of either party involved in the conversation might run afoul of, of, of the law. Do these companies uh, make that clear, make, make the, the legal restrictions clear, or are they, uh, how do they go about talking about the, the legal implications of this kind of product? So that that's really interesting, and it's very clear. You go to any of these websites of any of these spyware companies, and they'll they'll have a disclaimer that basically tries to throw liability onto the user, where it basically says something along the lines of, oh, "You should check the laws in your jurisdiction," because um, they sell obviously on the internet, and when we're involving, they sell to people in different jurisdictions, but they basically throw it onto the user. As you suggest, and as most people would expect, yeah, the, a, a lot of the, the functions of, of the spyware uh, would, on the face of it, violate all sorts of laws. Uh, you know, as you as you 
uh, guest, we'd looked at the Australian context. Uh, and Australia, for any of your your listeners who don't know, is is, is multiple legal jurisdictions. You have the, the Commonwealth, which is the, the entire nation, but then you have various states and territories. And basically, there's a there's a lot of jurisdiction. There's a lot of law already in place, which would prohibit many of the practices of, as you say listening into someone's uh, phone conversation without their uh, permission or without their consent. Um, and even even things too, you know, another uh, function that we, we find with some of the spyware devices was the ability to send spoof SMS messages from the captured device. So that's where once you capture a device, you can make that device remote from a remote location, uh, send messages, outbound messages to other phones um and the, the this other person would receive it as if it was from the the owner of the device when it's been authored by the operator of the spyware so that sort of thing really is uh, represents an impersonation function and that would of course run run a file of identity theft and, and impersonation laws and the like so really there is a whole bunch of laws and that what our report for instance um largely comes to the the general conclusion that in Australia and I imagine elsewhere in Canada and in most other jurisdictions, uh, on paper and in black and white, there are laws that would prohibit this sorts of activity. But really, it's a case of the law is one thing, it's enforcing it is another issue. And enforcing it against uh, the vendors of spyware is very often tricky um, because a lot of them just operate on the on the web and they can access directly to uh, clients that way and there's obviously all sorts of jurisdictional issues there where these companies are are um, operating in, in in jurisdictions that are say in our case not australia so australian law enforcement would have would have difficulties there um uh but likewise there are some uh things that we would describe as spyware on the likes of the the google play store in particular and this has been noted um, by several others, uh, not just us, but it's something we've noted, which is the Google Play Store, for instance, hosts um, uh, some quite noxious applications, which really could be and ought to be uh, taken down. Um, then if we think about, say, prosecuting the, the users of spyware, um, again, there's there's certain challenges there. Uh, it's it's certainly feasible and credible that uh, local law enforcement, if if they're able to identify people who have used spyware, that there there's things they can do. But in our research, we couldn't find on the face of it, at least on the surface of publicly available information in Australia, we couldn't find any examples of Australia. Uh, law enforcement prosecuting any users. It's not to say that it might not have happened, um, but it doesn't. We can't see any on the on the surface of things. Um, and then, likewise, we can only find one example of a spyware company vendor themselves being prosecuted, and that was uh, by the FBI in 2014. So they prosecuted uh, a company called Stealth Genie. And uh, that's the only prosecution we can find. And, and what is interesting about that prosecution and perhaps why it was successful uh, was because 
it was as a as a matter of fact the 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 CEO of Stealth Genie happened to be in the United States within the jurisdiction, and the the host server for its website was based in Virginia. So it was kind of a a, a straightforward prosecution in a way that a lot of other prosecutions for some of these uh, spyware companies would be would be tricky um, for any individual law enforcement agency be it the FBI or in Australia's case, the AFP, uh, to go after specific uh, vendors. And the kind of the unfortunate kicker about that story with Stealth Genie is that uh, despite Stealth Genie being shut down, if, if unfortunately, if you Google that term now, you'll still find options uh, for spyware on operating under the same name, which, which identifies and speaks to some of the uh, enforcement issues at play here. So it's, as I say, the law is is largely there in terms of its wording, and it, it's 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 there's just these enforcement challenges now. So it's about raising awareness and 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 mobilizing uh, effort, but also being realistic as well. Yeah, that's 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 in, interesting. I, I'm. I'm I'm dumbfounded by the the ability to spoof SMSs. Uh, I can't I can't imagine how they would legitimize that ability. What's the suggested use case for that apart from apart from crime? Uh, oh yes, we're in the same boat as you. That that was a that was a function uh, going into this project. I didn't anticipate. Uh, us discovering um, being aware, uh, available on this spyware application. So I, I, I got a sense that it would be things like getting access to photos, messages, and, and access to the camera and the likes. Um, what we note in our report and in our, our paper that is published in Crime Media and Culture is that uh, the fact that this spoof SMS feature often exists in, in some of these spyware really, really breaches the, the other supposed and ostensible purposes um, their spyware is, is suggested to have because they very often the spyware companies emphasize that it's, oh this is for monitoring and you would if you go on their websites they say monitoring 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 uh, they never mention impersonation um, so and then and likewise unfortunately we found um, a particular uh, piece of software on the Google Play Store um, that also offers this uh, spoof SMS function and that piece of software is uh, ostensibly an anti-theft uh, piece of uh, software, um, but I, I, as as your question suggested, and as your thinking is pointing towards, I I don't really see how that is a an anti-theft or a, a monitoring form of, of of functionality because it is it is about impersonation and and giving a third party the impression that. Uh, someone has sent them a message when they haven't really authored it and and that is something that obviously in the the domestic violence context as you imagine a lot of people are going through family law matters and things like that and that could that could really be a an instrument of uh of gaslighting and and harassment and, and manipulation and uh and it also generally raises question marks around uh digital authorship of 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 our degree of certainty of of whether someone actually authored a an SMS message or not because if spyware is at play it it very well could have been a fabrication so you mentioned awareness who are the groups that you think sh should really be aware of this I, I i would be and and you can speak more to this i would be guessing um 
victims of intimate partner violence and, and perhaps law enforcement looking into cases of such? Yeah, both of those. I would say law enforcement would be would be great if they've, uh, I know law enforcement all around the world are are trying themselves to upskill the to catch catch up with a lot of the technology technological developments and and new forms of, of offending, and that that is certainly uh, something that can always help. The kind of line of of at the coalface, those at the coalface at the minute uh, that I've identified are are those in the domestic violence advocacy sector those 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 workers who encounter those who are experiencing abuse um and if you can imagine say in the australian context it'll be the same in canada that that, that you have these services across the country geographically and they have people coming in through their front doors being like i think i might be subject to spyware and what i should also mention an interesting uh perspective and an, an issue of spyware as well in this context is that not only is, is spyware uh, an actual threat and, and we've got more and more research bits of research coming out which which identify uh, incidents and, and, and use of spyware as an actual thing that has been deployed in the context of domestic abuse but uh, the perception of it is also causing psychological problems because of certain service workers I've talked to um, their their clients are aware that this thing called spyware exists and that's it's technologically conceivable and that can make people um paranoid uh that can make because they're they're not able to trust their devices or they they, they may overestimate um the, the abilities of their perpetrator to uh target them and, and and find out their 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 digital correspondence and the likes so that's that's a it's a really that's important uh, aspect of it so what are the next steps this, there's this major challenge that we're faced with at the minute which is how do we scale out the knowledge as to how to deal with spyware and and, and either not only diagnose it uh, either positively or negatively on on given devices, particularly for if we think of of those uh, victim survivors of domestic violence who approach their service workers at, at at all sorts of locations, and it could be really remote locations. At that, how do we we scale out that advice so they they are suitably equipped uh, intellectually and also technically to 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 deal with this issue? Because the 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 good thing is at a, at a individual device level it's it's not that much of a technical challenge to uh make a diagnosis of of spyware being present or not there there are uh on device scanning techniques as well as as network traffic analysis that could be done because the, the thing about spyware is that it it, it it sticks out um because of its uh quest to, to share so much data that it, it can be identified as being at play but it it's it's taken that ability to do it on one device uh, and being able to widen that out and scope that out to a, a much broader uh, range of, of people so that that's a real uh, social and an industrial challenge for the domestic violence advocacy sector which which uh, we're hoping to kind of at least try and think about how we can start putting those forms of support in play. Wonderful. So, I, I guess this is a good time to to highlight that 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 more information can be found in the in the paper on in Crimes Media Culture titled "The Commodification of Mobile 
phone surveillance and analysis of the consumer spyware industry, but also Absolutely. your, yep. your, your yep. ACAN report, which is freely available on the internet at uh, au. Yep, and if anyone just goes to Google, types in spyware and ACAN, that's A-C-C-A-N, they should find uh, links almost straight away to our report. And our, our report is where we outline everything that we've found in terms of our analysis. So, so my, uh, my question now is, uh, given the time over and, and, and infinite resources, which is something that doesn't happen for researchers, unfortunately, yeah. Is there anything else that you would have looked into? Something that, that popped up that you just, uh, for the time it came up in the process or, or for, for other limitations that you would like to have seen more, uh, well, digged into a bit more? Yes. So, yes, well, one one aspects that uh, those people should be aware of, uh, your listeners should be aware of, is that uh, our research was focused on spyware on smartphones. So we looked at uh, Android devices and uh, iOS devices, and we, we missed out on... Uh, looking at spyware that is sold for uh, personal computers, um, uh, be that Macs or or, or, or PCs or, or uh, whatever uh, people may have, um, because that that would be that's that's another area of the market. So a lot of the spyware companies we looked at are primarily focusing on the on the smartphone market, but it does exist on PCs and 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 personal computers. Um, and then also there's there's interest in uh, gray areas there where you, you often have antivirus software or, or uh, software that is on the surface of it, antivirus that has cross-device surveillance capabilities. And you, of, you often see some of the major antivirus uh, outlets offering things like, uh, surve- like surveil your family or watch over or parental controls uh which which allow forms of of cross device surveillance which which is a which is an interesting uh, element of whether or not we would qualify this as a spyware or not wonderful so uh i guess thank you very much for for the research and 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 it's great to see it in a report that's that's easily available um thanks for your time terrific thank you michael Cybercrimeology is a podcast about cybercrime, its research, and its researchers. Cyberspace is the new, new world, and understanding it takes all types of research fields and all kinds of people. This show was created in the hope that it'll help those people learn about each other and their work. It's produced by me, as made possible by the kind guests sharing their time and their research. If you'd like to know more about the topics mentioned in this show, please check out the show notes at cybercrimeology.com.